out and and let's go live on all our you know by the way so we're, we're getting other i forgot to look at i forgot to look at what facebook was doing last week um but um i know it was good Blind i just people. felt good yeah, people are watching it on facebook people are watching it on facebook uh people are watching it on on linkedin people are watching it on youtube people are watching it everywhere meant, uh it's pretty cool happening i thought you meant literally what was facebook doing last week you meant how is this event being received on facebook yes well i think we had like 99 views last week so uh something like that and i know it can't all be me might it might be my girlfriend uh doing it when i'm not paying attention but it seems that it seems that's what's happening anyway we're live and welcome everybody who's watching us on uh, facebook youtube twitter and uh listening to us live on spotify or pre-recorded live on spotify actually we're no longer live if you're hearing us on spotify um, then you are uh, hearing us pre-recorded, but you can join the panel if you like, just by uh, you know contacting me on any social media platform that you have available to you. Uh, welcome to the hundred and second um, Mastermind Roundtable presented by Soundbroker. I'm your host Jan Landy. We have uh, we I I have to be blunt. I screwed up this week. I forgot to send out the invitations till about a few seconds ago. So those people that remembered uh, will be here in the room. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Tina, for showing up today. Uh, but for the most part, it's just me, Michael, and Tina right now you, and you, our you, normal group of You could have uh, just played it off as today is a very special episode with a yes. one-on-one conversation with Mike Brown Sestero. You could have said that. That, would have been that is, that is, that is, it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation with my, my good friend, Michael Brown. Uh, you know, anyway, um, so we're, let's go back into what I'm saying. And Tina, of course, you know, so everything you hear, oh, come on, this is getting crazy already. So let me just say this, everything you hear today is an opinion. So, you know, you do your own research. Uh, and I want to wish you, believe it or not, may the 4th be with you, because today is May 4th. So may the 4th be with you, for you Star Trek fans, or not, you know. Um, Wait, what? what? Yeah, may the 4th Star be with you. Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh. Wreck. Oh, well, you see, I'm telling you, everything's it's going wrong. Early. could go wrong. Can I, listen, here's my advice to you. Go back to bed. Just well, I would go to bed. bed and I woke up early for this. I had to wake up at 530 for this, you know, but yes. normally I would send out the invitations before I went to bed. But I just I just was dealing with something and I spaced out on Hang doing on, the invitation. I, I, I did I, everything else. I need, I need to do my best Mel Brooks voice. This is you waking up early. Yeah, this is <laughs> me waking up early. That's about it. Yeah. So anyway, um, I want to also get one thing out of the way this week. Um, just 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 a little uh, thing that uh, we do. We do a survey every week of what the most um, viewed items are in the last seven days. And this week, it's kind of interesting. The number one number one item viewed with one hundred and seventy seven views was Alan and Heath's uh, SQ series Dante card. That's kind of interesting. Um, why do you think that is, Michael? I know when I needed a Dante card for a church we were doing January, perhaps, February. Um, I, at the time, I was being told 
that it would be May, maybe June before I would see it. And this was the was the one thing that would have kept us from finishing the job. So we actually flipped the customer out of Dante because Dante wasn't, they didn't need Dante. There was a couple things that would be, that they could perhaps do a little bit easier with Dante, perhaps, and perhaps there was some down the road expansion thoughts, but we moved them out of Dante and into Allen and Heath's uh, proprietary uh, transfer protocol. I think it's called DXLink. And um, once we did that, uh, then we were able to finish the job very quickly. So if everybody's looking for Allen and Heath Dante cards, it's probably because they finally have them and people can finally get them installed or, or expand or finish a job or so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I would say that that's the case. I sold I sold a, an SD21 because it had a Dante card and they bought the console just because it had a Dante card in it. That's all. Uh, no it. other reason whatsoever. Anyway, the second thing most uh, looked at is an Astro Mobile stage, which is a brand new stage being manufactured by the same people that manufacture Apex. Uh, I just thought I would say that. Um, and then uh, the rest is, uh, you know, a Yamaha, um, some Meyer Panther speakers, a stage line, uh, the JBL rig. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that people are looking at these days, um, which is cool. Um, so anyway, yeah, new rig listed. You say what again? We have, I said we have a. Don't forget we have a new rig listed. Oh yeah, the DMB rig, the DMB rig. Um, I believe that that's going to sell today. Uh, actually, I spoke with someone today that uh, uh, told them that because I knew he was looking for it, and he says, uh, "Give me to the end of the day." So I have a feeling that's going to sell. It's a, it's a, it's a V rig. We also have a J rig coming up, which is pretty cool. But that's the end of our, our sponsorship uh, for Soundbroker, and now the rest. <clears throat> Let's get on to the news. So may the fourth be with you. Apple share, Apple uh, shared a Star Wars behind the scene about how they did the sound effects for 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 uh, through Skywalker uses a, and they use listen to this Skywalker sound uses 130 Mac Pro racks, 50 iMacs, 50 MacBook Pros, 50 Mac mini computers all running Pro Tools, all of which are remotely connected to a central machine room. And the studio also uses a fleet of iPads, iPhones, Apple TVs. And it, I started watching it and it is really, really cool. And we will throw the link into the, into the, uh, into the, into the show notes. So, but uh, it's really cool how they do it. I mean, Foley, you know, I wonder how you get into Foley. I wonder how somebody will accept you for Foley because Foley just seems like a job that all you're doing is playing all day long with different items to make so make noise, you know. So and maybe I went into the wrong on profession. You would get to wear your high heels, so and you know for a legitimate reason. Yeah. Well, speaking of high heels, um, something interesting happened, you know, in the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, speaking of high heels, uh, segue. Yeah. Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage um, at the Hollywood Bowl. I mean, that seems crazy to me. At the Hollywood Bowl, such a substantial and well-respected, uh, you know, location. Um, what a venue! It's just gorgeous inside, and the way it's the, the way it's designed. Not quite as you know, with all. It's not like 
design with the booths like the Greek theater in Los Angeles, but it is, I mean, that's where the Ella Philharmonic play. The, uh, and he was attacked on stage. Basically a guy towards the end of his act, a guy jumped up on stage and tackled him. And uh, he had some sort of knife on him. Uh, anyway, um, that's crazy. I guess we can thank, I guess, I guess we could thank um, Will Smith for that, you know, getting that kind of thing started. And then of course, uh, you know, Olivia Wilde got served on, while on stage. So I wonder what they're gonna do as far as artists go in regards to protecting them on stage. I'm sure they're gonna go back to having the, uh, you know, I, I don't know what you call it, the pit, the barricaded pit, you know, six feet of clear space in front of the stage. And then there's a barricade. Yeah, probably so. That's, you know, I mean, it's kind of interesting the way that works. If, you, if, if, if you're listening to this, you've never seen it. Basically the, the, stand where it's where this where this barricade stands um it goes out like four feet in both directions so what happens is it uses the weight of the crowd to keep it in place as well so that's why it doesn't shift very interesting um basic you know, physics so. basic physics anyway um NASA is in the news. The Hubble confirmed that the largest comet, bigger than the state of Rhode Island, big as 85 miles across with a nucleus that is 50 times larger uh, than, than that found in the heart of most comets. This one is roaming the galaxies and the comet won't even ever get close to the United States. It'll be a billion miles away in 2031. But if you have your telescope out, you know, and you're into uh, astronomy, you could actually probably see this, uh, this, this, you would have to have one hell of a telescope though, if the Hubble just picked it up. <laughs> oh, maybe not. Maybe by the, when it does come to its closest point to earth, a regular telescope will be able to see it just because of its sheer size. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, the one other interesting thing, another th interesting thing that happened uh, this week um, for me is that Harmon raised their prices again. They just give me a, gave me a notice that they're raising their prices again. Uh, and we just got a price increase from them. And I'm hearing that that's not going to be unusual, that's, that those price increases are coming across the board all over the place. And uh, uh, what are you hearing, Michael? I got the same letter. And what I thought was interesting about it was that it applies. They're not even doing the usual, we'll honor the current pricing on, you know, as long as you get your PO in before June 1st. It's effective June 1st. Anything that hasn't shipped, whether it's an existing order or a new order, goes under the new pricing. So you could, have, yeah. even if you've got a partial order out, right? So you, you sent in a PO for whatever, 30 pieces of whatever, you get 28 of them. When the other two finally ship, they'll be at the new price. But what uh, if yeah, you've already paid crazy. for them? I'm sorry? What if you've already paid for them? Yeah, I would assume if you're already paid in full, then they'll hold the old price. But these days, nothing would surprise me, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think Tina's right. If you paid for it, they're going to hold the price. Um, because a lot of companies right now are asking for money up front before they ship. A lot of companies are doing this. It's not just it's not just uh, 
it's becoming more the norm than anything else. If you want to get online, then you need to pay. You're going to have to pay to be online. And then they do lock in the prices. They do guarantee you that as well. Um, one company that I work with, we have an order in with Waves. Um, they wanted us to prepay and they lock, even though they had a price increase after we paid, they are locking in our prices. And the other thing that they're doing, which is very interesting, they gave us a shipping quote for everything. And they are honoring that shipping quote as well. So even though they're even though they're they're shipping partials, they're not shipping everything all at once. They're shipping partials, and so they're going to maintain the shipping cost for us. Which I thought it was really you know really above board, a really good thing to do. I don't know what other companies would do in situations like that, but that's how uh, Waves is handling. So kudos to them. Um, you know, it's a, it's an unusual time when where I am right now uh, in Thailand, uh, gasoline is sold by the liter. So it's very difficult to figure out the pricing for me because I'm used to the gallons, you know, paying by the gallon, not by the liter. So I get confused. The metric system does does confuse me. You know, uh, it's hard to figure out what it is without using a calculator or Siri or Google to translate for me into the metric system. But I do know how it affects my pocketbook. And when just two months ago, when we were buying gasoline for the motorbike, uh, it was 100, 100 baht, which is $3 US. And speaking of that now, the US dollar is getting stronger all over the world. And the Thai baht is at its lowest point that I could ever remember in relationship to the US dollar. So that's really good for me. However, those people that live here in Thailand that, that are living on Thai baht, uh, they are feeling it more than I am. And so anyway, to going back to the, the, the 100 baht into the gas tank, um, we filled up the tank yesterday and it was 160. And then with the car, when we filled up the car, uh, normally, it, and two months ago, it was $1,000, 1,000 baht to fill it up, which again is like 30 bucks. And yesterday it was 2000. So uh, they are definitely feeling it. And and Bo, uh, she has been following the news here and she says it's all over the news there. That's, that's basically now the top story, even in the news she follows, which is usually about you know, people are doing unusual things like getting into motorcycle accidents and and, the, and then and then they'll run they'll run the clip over like about 50 times with arrows and boxes pointing to where it goes. But now they're covering inflation. So that is affecting everybody if if, if she's aware of it right now from based on the news that she follows. So how are you guys? How are you? How are you feeling? It are you seeing it anywhere? In, in in I was talking to somebody. They told me that diesel is going to be over five bucks a gallon shortly. Yeah, diesel currently is at its highest price difference compared to gasoline that it has ever been. Um, so it's it's the the. And that's where your, a lot of your shipping costs are going to come from is that fuel. Um, so that's, that's a big deal. Um, you know, none of my vehicles get particularly good mileage, but, um, you know, it used to be even, you know, six months ago, it was, oh, I don't know, somewhere around 85 to $92 to fill up the tank. Now it's 130 to 140. 
Wow, that's that's crazy. What kind of what kind of cars do you have? Uh, I've got the Land Rover, which is a V8, and I've got the oh, yeah. Ford work truck, which is a V8. Wow, those are those are really gas. And you know what? The funny thing is, is I'm sure if you put them up for sale, they would sell immediately right now because there's oh, no yeah. vehicles. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I could sell either one in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Now, are you able to raise your prices? Um, I probably could raise my prices, but it's historically, I've always rounded down for like labor hours. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, you know, I don't sweat it too much if, you know, if our, our, our terms and conditions are, uh, you know, a minimum two hour service call, uh, and we charge by the hour for any portion thereof. So if somebody worked two hours and 15 minutes on something, a lot of times I would just bill two hours. I don't do that anymore. Now, if they work two hours and 15 minutes, I bill the three hours. So that's sort of raising my prices. I'm not really raising my prices. I'm just being a little more uh, to the letter of the terms and conditions rather than the spirit. Yeah, well, what I'm finding right now is two things. Number one, it's hard to find gear to sell. That's what I'm finding. It is really, I mean, it, it used to be we would get phone calls and in most cases, we had it you no know, even if the listing hadn't been updated in a while you know or the item that we had advertised on our website usually we were able to do it especially with manufacturers they would they would they it might be a couple of days or two three days before we could ship or a week or and unless it was a custom build but the reality is is that it was easy to do use gear people would list all the time and it would be it would just be very simple. Um, most of the time it was there, even if the listing was a little bit older. Um, now I'm finding the listings are shrinking. We're not getting as many listings and we're getting calls on items that are just not the guy, the people who are telling me, listen, I have it, but I'm renting it out right now. I can't get any new stuff right now at this moment in time. So I need to rent my old stuff. And so I have to take it off the market, which is really interesting. And those people that are leaving these, their gear on the market, they want top dollar for it, which puts me in an unusual situation because I can't charge the normal commission that I would normally charge because I have to discount it on my end Otherwise, the price becomes too absorbent on the other end for the buyer. So I'm being affected the in the token, middle. You just told us that there's people buying consoles just for the Dante card. Yes, no. yes, but there's still no, there. But the, how many are there? That's that's the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that is the thing. If there was have, a, so I, I've decided we we're going to clear out the shop a little bit, and um, uh, you know my our infamous LS9 that I'm always joking about with a Dante card. Uh, that's going to go. Uh, it's been fully cleaned up and tuned up. And um, I sent, actually sent it to a shop, fully working, firmware is all updated, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to bundle that with some other stuff we have. And this is, I'm going to do this all when I get back from Nashville. I just don't have time between now and then. But yeah, so it's going to be, you know, I was looking at prices right online. I jumped on a couple sites and we're a year ago, maybe a little bit more, you know, 18 months, 24 months ago. An LS9 would go for four to six hundred dollars. Now they're going for eighteen hundred to two thousand. Isn't that crazy? 
Yeah. I mean, it's good for, if you're good if you have gear, um, and yet there's yeah, certain so I, things. I've, I've got I've got a community speaker system and QSE amps and an LS9 with a Dante card and a, a little Yamaha Snake, a, a Light Channel R08, and uh, uh, some other stuff. And I'm just going to put together a bundle and I'll be sending that off to you, and we'll get that sold. Anyway, the other thing is, is that, you know, the other thing that seems to be really popular uh, and can't be delivered is lake processors. Um, I've gotten so many calls for lake processors, you know, um, and we're, we're dealers for, uh, for that. Uh, but you can't seem to, you can't, you can't seem to find that either. But one thing on a good note, Live Nation did something very, very cool this week. Live Nation announced that it's concert week. And as an initiative that they may bring some economic relief to fans hard pressed by rising inflation and consumer prices running May 4th, starting today through May 10th, the world's largest concert promoter is offering a $25 ticket price, which includes taxes and fees to some 3,700 shows running through the rest of 2022 in North American clubs, theaters, amphitheaters, arenas, and stadiums. And that is, I thought was pretty amazing that they were doing that, dropping the ticket price down to 25 bucks for the over 3,700 shows. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, Polestar made that announcement and we'll throw that into the, we'll throw that into the, uh, yeah, into you, the show you go notes to livenation.com, well. you can't, it's, it's their banner. Um, interesting. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I thought it was great. And meanwhile, Dua Lupa, she completed the opening leg of her 2022 world tour. And after seven weeks through North America, she's brought in over $40 million on, at the box office from 29 concerts and at 28 arenas. So you know, and, and that's a lot of dough. I'm looking at these artists and it's not, you know, people you've never heard of. It's certainly not, you know, the very hottest current artists but but here's who's on this list right off the bat for vegas because it automatically populated vegas based on my ip address okay uh, Harry cantrell the cult mastodon rod stewart psychedelic furs the damned eric church ub40 Derek huff jonas brothers weird al keith urban doobie brothers shania twain uh nick cannon arrow well, hold on hold on hold on shania twain and and uh keith urban um they're huge tickets i mean yeah. those those are big money tickets aerosmith morrissey aerosmith big money tickets the black keys uh uh john legend imagine dragons especially here in vegas 25 bucks holy cow wait john legend really yeah yeah um, i mean for wednesday august 17th at the zappos theater so it's it's not the you know the entire oh, run planet hollywood night. Sean Mendes, uh, Miranda Lambert, The Who. Uh, who? The Who. Oh, it's The Who, not just Who. It's the, hey, we have Tim McCulloch and Ken Porter in the room. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give them a little clap there. Good to see you guys. I guess Tim is working because I sure I'm sure he wouldn't be wearing a mask in his own living room. And if he's and if he is in his own living room, it looks like he's got one hell of a power box behind him. So that's it. <laughs> so unfortunately, nobody can see it but us. No, I'm, us I'm little here chickens. for the Lion King. So oh, very nice. Very, very, very nice. Very, very nice. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's it's interesting. So you, everybody seems to be working these days. Seems like there's a lot of work going on. Uh, you know, everybody seems to be busy. Um, it's it's a wonderful thing. It's really really good to see people back to work and you know making money again. It's one of those things that uh, we waited so long. Um, you know, it's crazy that what's going on that you know it took so long for people to get back to work and i'm so happy that everybody is back to work you know it's all going to calm down you know things are going to things are going to you know get back to normal probably by the end of the summer i'm guessing um at that point in time the chip manufacturers will have satisfied their needs the aluminum people will be back providing aluminum the car manufacturers will have all the parts that they need to you know re-re-re-re-populize their 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 dealerships so that you know people can go to a dealership and see cars on the lot again i don't think it's going to stay the way it is right now just like a lot of people thought that now that people are working remotely or using Zoom to do uh, teleconferences, I think there's a huge need right now for people to get back to mingle with one another, you know, press flesh, as they say. And, uh, you know, Michael, so let's talk about, you know, Cavalo. What's happening with that? Talk a little bit about that right now. What's happening? What are you seeing? Because you've done a couple of you've done a couple of, of of these now, and now you've got another one. When when is when is this coming up? It's a week from today, next Wednesday, May eleventh, in Franklin, Tennessee, which is a suburb of Nashville. Um, it's our first time in Nashville, so I don't really know how to read the tea leaves yet. But um, mm -hmm. uh, registration is going pretty well. We're approaching four hundred. Um, I again, I don't know if Nashville is any different than other cities. You know, in terms of people are just as likely to show up for things they sign up for or less likely or uh, whatever. So we'll see, we'll see where we end up. Um, but I like, I like the numbers I'm seeing now. The manufacturers must like them too, because I got my latest uh, contact from a manufacturer wanting to exhibit just day before yesterday, nine days before the show. Um, we completely, we filled up the the ballroom weeks ago. I've now got exhibitors in the hallways, um, in breakout spaces, in the reg area. Um, it's, it, you know, we're kind of piled up now. So looks like it'll be a great show. Uh, I got a couple logistical hurdles to, to work out. Um, but, uh, but from a um, excitement and popularity standpoint, uh, so far looking very, very strong. So we're excited. Right. That's good. Now, Ken Porter's in the room as well. He's part of this too, right? Is he going to be a speaker? Or what's Ken? What what what's Ken going to be doing? Yep, Ken will be on one of our discussion panels. We have four discussion panels scheduled for the day. Ken's will be at ten a.m. He'll be there along with Kelly Fair from Electrosonics and Rebecca Sullins, who uh, uh, works for um, Pro Media slash Clear Global. She's a, a really accomplished AV design engineer. Uh, particularly for live venues, be they showrooms or houses of worship or concert venues. Um, she's really, really good at live systems. Um, and they're going to be talking about uh, how they approach designing systems when they are in unconventional spaces. So, you know, the, the, the gist of it is most AV pros could probably go into a purpose-made concert venue or a modern church and 
design an AV system that works pretty well, you know, without too much effort. But, you know, what do you do, you know, like Ken was saying earlier today, we had a little tee up call. You know, what do you do when you go into a, a ballroom that's 100 feet deep and it only has 14 foot high ceilings and it has, you know, columns down the middle? How do you how do you design for that for for good acoustics and good sight lines and uh, all that sort of jazz? So that's that's the panel Ken will be on. We're excited to have him and uh, and happy to have him. Very good. Ken, are you in the room? I see that you're you're here, but I can't see I can't see you for whatever reason. Yeah, his camera I, did not work earlier today either. He's having camera issues, but his audio did work. Um, but maybe not this time. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. It, it's kind of crazy, you know, the technology aspect of it all. We're all using we're all using you know we still are using conferencing of Zoom and Team and um, whatever whatever you know WhatsApp whatever, and yet it just seems that that aspect of the video you know even uh, even um you know um i um facetime you know it doesn't seem to or, or skype these video calls they don't all seem to be perfected right now for some reason uh, that technology i think the the software designers really need to work on that to make it more foolproof like last week my camera was was freezing which i thought was kind of interesting um you know right but there's a lot of moving parts and then of course the other challenge you have is whenever like any other software platform uh you know you roll out some you know the manufacturer uh, rolls out some kind of you know new version new rev that has these added features and for despite their best efforts they don't realize that one of those new features disables a existing feature that turns out everybody loved or you know so sometimes you just don't find these things till you roll them out yeah yep that's right or, that's or right like apple they announced they announced the changes way the hell in advance and developers do nothing and then go oh monterey broke it monterey broke it you knew monterey was coming for two years you had a warning I, that's something, Tim, I swear I can't figure out because they released the beta The so I mean, they released the beta, all these all these companies, Microsoft, Apple, you know, they released the beta so far in advance. And then all of a sudden, how is it possible that they leave a, a, a hole in their system that somebody else has to figure out for them? I don't get that. That's something I don't it's, get. It's money, Jan. They want to sell new products and because they make no money supporting old products so right. they'd rather sell they'd rather write new drivers and new software for the new os and just let you twist in the wind on the old because they don't make any money from it right but it's also to some degree if you're a software developer part of you says you know i could hire 50 more software engineers to really really comb through this and find every little bug or I could get it 80% there and release it. And then the rest of the world will find my bugs for me for free. Well, actually they pay a ransom. Apple pays a ransom for that. Uh, believe it or not, they will pay sure, if you, I'm, but I'm sure it's probably not a ransom. It's probably a reward, a reward. But, well, ransom reward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure the reward is less than, you know, salary and benefits and, 
No, no, no. It's a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of money. Uh, if you Google that, you'll see that they pay a lot of money uh, if you find the bug in their system, especially if it's a security flaw. Yeah, there are people that make careers out of that, uh, believe it or not. You know, um, and speaking of which, you know, uh, so it's an interesting thing. And I want to take this with you guys. So my birthday is coming up in three days. Um, I am going to turn 71, 71 years old. 71, 71. That and you are in your eighth decade. Wow. I've been doing this for decades as, uh, where I wish, I wish Ken Newman was here because he was, when I first started, uh, Soundbroker, uh, we were looking for, I was looking for different hooks on how to market it. And he was telling me how Barry Manilow would say that he's been doing this for decades. And, you know, we, we, we did the, 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 um, the, the math on it and a, a decades, you know, so, so that's it. That's how we went, you know, cause a decade is 10 years, but you know, uh, it's nebulous at best, but uh, yeah, I've been doing this. I've been, I've been doing this for decades. I've been running this company for over 25 years. I don't know where the time went, but the point of me saying that it's my birthday is that, and I don't know if you guys go through this, but some, some years, it's another birthday, who cares? You know, I'm here, as you said earlier to me when I told you this, you know, it's better than the alternative. And the reality is, is that right now, I am going through such turmoil in my head of thought process of what I'm going to be doing with the rest of my life and how I'm going to handle the rest of my life that I've never experienced anything like this. I and I'm honest with you, Jan, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that because it's about time you got a real job and actually, you know, did something in the world. I mean, this kind of fiddle faddling around with used gear, uh, you're not going to amount to much. I, I got to tell you, you need to, you need to buckle down and make something of yourself. Well, I hear you loud and clear because that's why we went into new gear as well. But that's beside the point that, that, that it's not about what I'm doing for a living, because I thought about that long and hard, you know, and what else am I going to do with my life? I mean, I love what I'm doing. I absolutely adore it. You know, working with guys like you and be making friendships and also making a living and assisting people in an area that, you know, helps everybody. It's it's a wonderful profession that I've I've been I've been involved with, and the fact that I created the industry is even more exciting to me. Although I don't get rewarded for that, being you know being you know, but because you have to be the lead dog, and if you're not the lead dog, the view never changes. And then of course you make you you, you have to do things Either to smell. preserve preserve that. But but that's not my point of this of what I'm bringing up is that. It's the amount of thought process that I have going through my head right now about turning 71 and not in the aspect of the, oh, I'm 71. It's more of what's my life all about? What, what am I going to do from here? And I've really, even when I turned 70, I didn't have this or, or the, the most major change for me is when I turned 65 that I remember going through a lot of mental anguish and trying to figure it all out. But I haven't had that happen. And I figured when I turned 70, that would be a big moment in my life, I would be thinking about it, because that's when I went on uh, Social Security. But the reality is right now, 
I'm just freaking out over this. I, I wake up in the middle of the night wondering about what my what I'm going to be doing. How much longer am I going to live? All of these little things. And I'm, and I'm throwing this out. Does anybody else in the room go through this kind of thought when they get close to their birthday? Or are you just going through it every day of your life? I don't know. Hey, you know where you are um, for your birthday last year? I sure do. <laughs> well, it was Mother's Day you were here, but your birthday. That's right. After. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I was with you. We were, we were fishing. My first time fishing on the bayou. My first time fishing, you know, on a lake. Maybe that you know? should be a tradition. Why don't you go fishing in Thailand? Yep. No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's enough fishermen out here already, and fishing is a very big profession here for them. You know, huge profession. But no, I'm seriously, I'm, not, I'm, I want to really get some other. You know, right now because I, I, I'm really looking for some clarity, and thinking, and I always think of myself. You know, like when I was a kid, and I grew up in New York, and I remember. I remember someone telling me, oh, you think you're one in a million. You think you're that special. And then they would say to me, there are 14 more of you living here in New York, you know? And now there's like 28 more. If you think you're one in a million just in New York, there's 28 more million, you know? And if you're one in a million in America, you know, there's, uh, you know, 250 zillion more of you in it, you know? So what do you guys, do you, does, do you guys go through this in your life? Do you start thinking about what life is all about and what you're doing and, you know, if you, you know, and that kind of stuff? It's not about where I worry about dying. I don't worry about that. I just worry about what tomorrow is going to bring or what I'm going to do to accomplish tomorrow. That kind of existential angst that you are experiencing is very personal and I would say the clarity you seek can only come from within. There's nothing we can tell you that'll necessarily be about you. And maybe I have it a little bit easier because right now I've got a 15 year old daughter and so I'm focused on, you know, college is coming and, uh, you know, I want to help her get through college without, you know, come out without a bunch of debt and I want to help her figure out what she wants to study while she's there. So my reason for being and my reason why I do most of the things I do on any given day is very clear. She's right down the hall. So, you know, maybe that's why it's easy for me at the moment. You got to worry about yeah. boys now. <laughs> what about you, Steve? What do you, do you, you, you go through that in your head? Do you, do you think about that? Does that ever come uh, up to you? You know, when you have kids, it, it, your, your life is really all about the kids, you know? That and grand that I have now, yeah. I just I just hope I'm around long enough to watch them grow up, you know, and 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 get on get out on their own. <laughs> right now, tell me about you. Now you play in a band right now. Yeah. When did you start playing in that band again? Because I know you played when you were young, and then you went and you just created you you, you created your 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 company. Yeah. Um, Corporate Sound and Lighting yeah, out in uh, Louisiana down there. When did you decide that, you know what, I want to start playing music again? During the pandemic, when we were bored. <laughs> I mean, it, it's something I've always liked doing. So we, you know, my brother and I got back together with uh, some of the guys we used to play with. And, you know, it had been 
shoot 20 plus years since we got together again. But it was like riding a bike with some of them. You know, it just clicked. <laughs> you just didn't remember there was that much pedaling. Hey, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I have over the last probably year, because coming out of the pandemic, of course, I created Tableau. And that conceptually, Tableau has been what I as simple a concept as, as I thought it would be. You just need to get a bunch of people who are interested in AV gear into the same room as a bunch of people who make AV gear. Uh, but but logistically, it's a lot more work than I thought it would be. Um, it's a lot of moving pieces, and there's always something last minute, you know, or you know, in the last week to ten days that goes completely off the rails, and now I got to scramble. Um, so between coming out Cablo, you know, now now our third edition ever, obviously since the lock the the shutdown was was lifted, and then my contracting business, of course, has gotten much busier too. So I, I, there's always things for me to do. There's always businessy things for me to do, you know, the books or invoicing or billing or pick up gear or ship gear out to be repaired or, you know, all that. So I have over the last few months thought to myself, I need to find some sort of creative outlet, something that has nothing to do with the, with, you know, designing, selling, installing AV systems or promoting trade shows. So to that to that point, I, I understand what you're saying, but yeah, because you, yeah. you need that outlet. You know, other than taking tranquilizers, what do you guys do in, when you wake up in the middle of the night and all those thoughts are running in your head? You know, I mean, like last night, uh, last night in the middle of the night when I was sleeping uh, in the middle of your day, um, a phone, I thought I'd shut my phone. Apple has this amazing thing called Focus. And I had it on sleep, but somehow it got off sleep. And then I got a phone call in the middle of the night when my phone rang and was, I don't know who it was. I immediately shut it off. But the reality, it woke me up at around 2.30 in the morning. And a zillion thoughts were running through my mind about life uh, and how I'm relating to life and what I'm doing with myself and all of that stuff. And, you know, uh, money, you know, every, everything that you could think of that, that a person has in their life was going through it. You know, my health, my weight, my, my, my financial status, the, my investments, the, the business, everything. And I just kept saying to myself, everything is good. Everything is good. Everything is good. You know, short of taking a tranquilizer or some, something for the anxiety, you know, um, and I'm just curious, what do you guys do if, if that's something that's not too personal to talk about? Because I couldn't figure it out. And it's this is like this third night in a row that I'm waking up with thoughts that I can't control. During the day, I seem to be able to control my thoughts completely. But when I wake up in the middle of the night, my thoughts are running rampant and I can't I can't put them in a cubby hole where I can I can deal with them. And does that happen with you guys? Uh, Kurt, what about you? You want to share something like that? Or is this too personal? No, I would agree with Mike and Steve said about the kids is that once you have that equation, then it sort of takes other things become less of a priority. Um, yeah, I've been waking up in the middle of the night with, but mine is like, where am I going to get the guys to do this? Uh, why did I say yes to that show? 
I'm not sure where I'm getting the people or I'm not going to be able to cross rent the things I need. So that starts me thinking that maybe this isn't quite as much fun as it used to be because it's much more difficult, not technologically. I mean, I still know what to do, but managing the business side of things and getting the people and trying to find cross rentals, trucking, you know, all, that is much harder than it ever was. And that leads me occasionally to the, what should I still be doing this? You know, maybe there's something else I could do. And then I'm thinking, well, probably not, not at this point. Well, that's the thing, you know, it's like, you know, that's, and that's exactly what I go through too. You know, I mean, the jobs that we have, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm working with right now is on uh, Bo's immigration, you know, uh, to, to the United States. And I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about what, you know, what, what needs to be done. And, and that is really tick the, the clock is really ticking on that because that's going, that's June 22nd where we're up in uh, Chiang Mai meeting with U.S. immigration. And of course, that's a huge unknown. But I think it's the unknown that really seems to get me the most because it's unknown, I guess that's what makes me the craziest. And I can't seem to get that out of my mind. You know, well, for Tim, me, what about you? Flow, I mean, the flow of information is horrible, at least in my world. It used to be that by now I'd know what I had to do all the way through like August, September. And I had plenty of time to line things up and plan. And I had plenty of people who knew that there'd be work coming and they were stuck around to do it. Now people are, you know, taking the first tour that comes along, they're taking house gigs, they're taking church gigs. And the, you know, I kind of busted my ass to, to come up with a bunch of work. And now the people I expected to be around to do it are split. I can't blame them. It's, you know, they need to do what they can do, but it's kind of like the, the rules all got changed. And, and now I'm trying to make it work, but it's all different. So everything I built and put together and, and the, all the mechanics of, of landing the show and getting it, you know, staffed and the gear and the trucking and all that, I, I had all of that pretty well ironed out. And now I'm having to reinvent all of it because it, the, the landscape is completely different. And the flow of information is horrible. Even long-term clients don't, they don't want to commit. They don't want to say, yes, we're doing it. Here's the schedule. You know, and here's the writer. It's everything is very last minute. I just got a call for something that's like the whole big system in another state, like 10 days from now. That's yeah, it's uh, Steve, I see you. I, Steve, I see you shaking your head. Yes. Something you want to embellish with or? Yeah, every, everything Kurt's saying is true all over. It's not just where he's at. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm just, I only know son's going through all of that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a struggle. I mean, we, you know, we we have a program. We use Slack. I don't know if you're familiar with that for our labor. And sure, I mean, we're constantly sending out, you know, labor calls. Yeah, we need people, and uh, it's just slow. It's slow going. It's hard to find experienced people. And like today alone, I just finished the show. I was out of town for three days. Just got back a little while ago. Um, we have five events going on today. You know, and it's like. All our leads, everybody's in a different place. And trying to find the support cast to help you is a struggle. Yeah. So I guess my question is, is 
what happens when this wakes you up in the middle of the night? How do you handle that? Because that's what my problem is. I was up for two hours. I couldn't get it out of my mind. I, even though I know that everything is good, I just, the anxiety of it all was driving me insane. And I don't was, handle you it. Know, I toss and turn and roll over and try to go back to sleep until seven or something. And then I give up and get up and try to make it through my day. Yeah, sometimes yeah, that, jump in the shower and yeah, you just got to do something else. Something else. <laughs> All right. So let okay. me ask you this guy. Now, Ken Porter, I wish you could come in on this because I know you have some insight on this. You know, what, what are you thinking along the lines of, you know, I, I'm sure that you have these challenges, too, where you've got a million things on your mind. You know, I know our, we had a conversation earlier. I'm not going to you know, divulge too much of that, but I know that you've got a million and one things on your mind as well. When it wakes you up in the middle of the night, how do you handle it? What do you do? Sometimes I get up and take some calcium. Uh, I might get up and watch TV till I get dozed off again, or I'll play a game or whatever, <clears throat> so I can get tired. The hard thing is, is trying to get your brain settled back into it. There's um, there's several things of how to do it, military training stuff, uh, stuff how to do quick sleep or whatever, but I've never been able to do that. Yeah, there's a guy, Dr. Mandel, he's on the internet, and he says if you push your, put your hand, uh, push you over here like this, that'll help you go to sleep. I don't know if that works or not. I haven't really tried it, but but the anxiety, and I think there's more anxiety right now than ever before out there in the world. Just as the the unknown is overwhelming right now. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of unknownness, and that's difficult. But I would also remind everyone here that 99% of the world wishes they had our problems. Uh, whatever problems you have, Jan, and you, Kurt, and me, I'm not worried about whether or not I'm going to eat this week. I'm not worried about clean water. I'm not worried about war. I'm not worried about clothes on my back. Uh, generally speaking, I'm not worried about my health. So I'm, I'm blessed to have the problems I have. That's number one. The other thing I would say is that if you're really anxious about something, go back to sleep. All those thoughts will be there in a few hours. They're not going anywhere. So just thank them for sharing. Tell them you're going to take a little break and you'll get back to them in about four hours. That's all. You know, that, that reminds me of W.C. Uh, Fields' line where the guy says to W.C. Fields, he says, I'm plagued with insomnia. And, and W.C. Fields says, I've got a wonderful cure for that. Get plenty of sleep, you know. Um, but the, the reality is it so... What I want to know is like, I think about this myself. Do you get up? Does anybody get up in the night and then do work when, when that happens? Or what do you, you know, Ken watches TV, you know, what does anybody do anything or do you just yeah, no, lay in the bed I do and, and hope I, that you go back to sleep? Yeah, no, sometimes I do. If, if, if I'm just not going to be able to get back to sleep or sometimes just because of my work schedule, my sleep cycle gets all messed up and I can tell that I'm waking up at two or three in the morning, fully rested. Like, if I were just to lay in bed, I would not fall back asleep. I would just be laying in bed. So I'll go ahead and get up. And if there's, if I can't do anything about the things I'm anxious about, I will at least do the things that I can do. Um, I'll get the things I can do done, get those off my off my list, get them get get a sense of accomplishment, and go from there. But again, I must insist, 
trust me, your anxiety won't go away. It'll still be there later. Just go back to sleep. It'll be fine. And if yeah. you can't sleep, just get the rest and lay there. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, sometimes I'll I'll take notes on what I'm thinking just so I have it if I do fall back asleep. Yeah, I used I used to keep that. a pad and a pen by my bedside, you know, yeah, in I case I had an phone. idea. I just type it in my phone, you know, so I have it in the morning. Mm -hmm. well, and the light from your phone that. doesn't bother you? No, I turn that off. I mean, I take <laughs> when I'm using it. <laughs> Having the creative outlet gives a place for some of that energy, that like nervous energy to go. Like I've been in a band for 30 years. We haven't played live much lately, you know, but it, we never disbanded and still consider it an active project, even if we're not together that much. Um, and, you know, when I'm more involved in that, I tend to be maybe a little more relaxed just because there's, there's some place for some of that energy to go. Right. So yeah. I think creative outlet can go a long way towards, even if it's, you're thinking about other stuff in the middle of the night, just having that outlet and having some place for that to channel some of that energy and, you know, that's not about work or, you know, it can be helpful. Yeah. Cause there's so many things about sleep out there, you know, that there was somebody, uh, I just read an article about a marijuana and sleep, but here in this country, uh, it, believe it or not, marijuana is illegal. Uh, I, I don't know how that's possible, but everything's uh, illegal know. there. Everything's <laughs> illegal. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting, but not so bad here in, in, in the kingdom. But I just read in India right now, that if you use a V, uh, you're not allowed to use a VPN. And now they, they're asking the VPNs to report on everyone. If you if you're a VPN in India, you have to give all of the information that the people who are using your VPN, where it goes, what they're doing, what their address is, what their real name is, all that stuff. Which is which is basically impossible for some of the VPNs to do, because of um, because of the way it's the way it's set up. Well, you know, if you look to, at to look at the number of AV companies that are doing production in the cloud, where all of those Amazon Web Services computers are controlled by a VPN, that's the only way you can exercise control over those. I suspect there's some of that going on too, because they're wanting to see who's who's doing remote work in the cloud, whether that circumvents any uh, Indian law. Yeah, possibly so. I don't know what it is, but that's, you know, but, you know, Michael, you said something very interesting about our first world problems that we have. Um, you know, I think about it all the time. And when when something happens that you know comes up where, oh, this happened or this happened. And I, I say to myself, thank God I am not in the Ukraine right now. You know, I mean, I was just I was just reading an article about this woman who's whose husband was killed and, you know, and the, her whole life is shattered. I mean, and so many people's lives have been shattered, which is crazy, you know? And fortunately, you're right. We, we have plenty of, you know, I don't have to worry about drinking water. I don't have to worry about dollars for petrol. I don't have, those, those problems are not my problems, but still nonetheless, we all have problems. And I think what I'm saying is, is that our problems to us are bigger than anything else that it, you know who cares about what's happening to you know uh a person who you know who who stubbed their toe as long as it wasn't me you know uh you know that kind of thing so you know but our problems 
seem to be enormous, especially when you can't control them. And that's at night. So that's the one thing that I, you know, during the day, I'm fine. But at night, it's, it's crazy. When I wake up, can't control my thoughts in the night. So I thought I would share that way. Anyway, that's enough, uh, you know, cycle babble. It beats not waking up. That's right. It does beat. Well, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know about that. You know, it's I guess the thought process is and uh, and this is something that did go through my mind last night. You know, if I was dead, what does it matter? You know, what does it matter to me? If I was dead, who cares? I'm dead. You know, I won't, you know, I will, maybe I'll know, maybe I won't know, but whatever it is, you know, I won't, there's nothing I can do about it. So, you know, let it be, you know, whereas my challenges that I have during the day that come to me in the night, there are things that I can do about it. Seven habits that lead to happiness in old age. Well, there you go. I'm going to have to read that article. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I guess it is, you know, it's just, you know, turning, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, let me, well, let me put it to you this way. Okay. So my big, my big, my big uh, chain of event that happened to me where I really started getting anxious was when I turned 65. And now it's happening again when I'm 71. Does anybody else had a big year at that point in time where it hit you? Or is it every year that you have a birthday coming up that those are the things that start to, you know, dwell on you? Well, I'm, I'm getting ready to turn 68 in July, and my dad had a heart attack at 67. So each year, I just feel blessed that I'm still here. No, I don't, don't know how much longer I'll be around, but I, I feel like I'm in good shape and I can hang for a bit longer. And like I said, I have grandkids. I want to see them grow up a bit and, and uh, just keep moving. Well, you're way you're way under the the you know the age expectancy of death in the United States. So you've got at least you know basically six more good years, you know, and that's of course. Yeah, a, a, but you don't know that he could be the guy that screws up the curve. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I know the way he lives, and I doubt that'll happen to him. You know, unlike you, Michael. You know, you're the one I'm worried about screwing the curve up. Well, listen, the fact that my dad is closer to 97 now than 96, because he's, he's 96 in seven months, I suspect it is unlikely that I will live as long as my dad, because um, he's still going strong. I mean, he's got some trouble with his knees, but that's about it. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm in the opposite boat as Steve. I, yeah. Those things, you know, I out, I've outlived my parents. Both my parents died when I was four years old. So I have outlived, and they were in their 30s when they died. But that was a different time. That was in the 50s. And that was in the 50s. And, and modern medical science hasn't really, wasn't really developed at that point in time. My, my father was one of the very first um, heart operation patients. He was one of the very, very first. And they say that he survived the operation he just died in recovery um he had he had um uh what did he, he had like what did he have i forgot now um oh something that we don't have anymore when he was a kid like um Polio or something. no 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 it was something like uh rheumatic rheumatism. fever 
Yeah, rheumatic fever, that's it, rheumatic fever. That's what he had. He had rheumatic fever when he was a kid and that f affected his heart. And so they didn't have surgery like that. And then finally they had perfected this, the surgery part uh, in the 50s because he was born in the early, the early part of the century. And uh, he was born in the early 1900s and they didn't have the surgery. And finally they had the surgery. So he took it, uh, you know, and uh, unfortunately he, he, he did pass uh, in the recovery room. But, you know, that, that's the, 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 the modern medical science right now is so far superior to what it was then. And, you know, but I've outlived them by double. And of course they say, that the average person, the average person usually dies somewhere around when they, when their parents die, something like that. You know, they also say that the average person, when they lose a spouse, they've been married for a long time. They only have a few more years left. But I've noticed that a lot of people that I know that have that that have lost a spouse these days, they're living forever. I guess th that's, those things have changed that's as well. My dad, he's on wife number four. He keeps burying him. You know, so there is hope. So if he can keep getting married at 94, there is some hope for all of us because I always wonder, you know, it's not how many years I got left, it's how many good years I got left. And I'm in really good condition right now. I'm doing sports, all that stuff. So by the way, that's not what wakes me up in the middle of the night. It's just the other things around me. I saw McCartney you know, tonight. I'll be there in the morning. 79 years old. It was his second show in Seattle and the shows are th over three hours long with no break, no intermission, three hours straight. And by the end of the show, he was singing better and more energized than he was in the beginning. The encores were, it was unbelievable. 79 years old. What did he do for an encore? Well, they come back out and do most, at least last night, most of side two of Abbey Road. And then uh, Golden Slumbers ends it, and you know, but it's it's all over the map. I mean, they didn't do certain things. Like they didn't play yesterday. They didn't play silly love songs, which is weird because they're both massive hits. And they did some other stuff. A lot of, a lot of really interactive video stuff with you know, cuts of John Lennon from uh, the Get Back movie. They did a bunch of that. All of that footage got used and. You know, they had them singing together and stuff. It was it's it was incredibly well done. Probably the best produced. And I've seen them three times now. It was probably the best overall produced show I've ever seen. The video was stunning. It was like I was sitting in my living room watching high def TV. It was amazing. And, but perfect. that that tour has always been on the edge of of. Oh, of, I mean, it's Paul McCartney. He can have anything yeah. he wants, and if he's. You look at uh, um. If you get the Blu-ray or DVD of uh, Back in the USA, that tour, um, the video he was doing, nobody else had the gear he had. It lit, There was stuff that was invented for that tour. Yeah, and I'm going to bet it's the same way. I mean, all the lights were on motorized trusses. They were choreographed and moving around the whole time. Claire Brothers rig was amazing. Pab did an amazing job mixing it. He's been mixing them for 30 years. I mean, it's it was amazing. It makes you sit back and just be like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder, I, I mean, three hours. I wonder how he got all that material together. I mean, you know, really, uh, you know. Oh, oh, wait, he wrote it all. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I will say this, Kurt, to what you were saying earlier about how it's getting harder to do your day-to-day -day job. I'll tell you the same thing I tell all my guys when they complain about something being hard. If it was easy, 
I would do it. Yeah. That's, that's hard. It's a good. I'll let you do he, it. But he's the boss. He. <laughs> the nuts and bolts part, the part I do, the tech part, I don't have any issue with that. That's not a struggle for me at all. It's it's literally the things that are waking me up are not how do I run that console? It's or how do I fly that PA or is my design good enough? No, it's where am I going to get the people? Where am I going to get the trucks? That guy wants XYZ console and there aren't any for rent and nobody owns one up here and I can't get it anywhere. Or like I just invested a whole bunch of money in some Digico, but I can't get the wave stuff. So I might have the console, but I'm not going to have the stuff the guy wants in the console. Sure. And now I'm like, great, I, I've got 80% of it, but it's the missing 20% that might cost me the gig. Uh, speaking of which, seeing I know I have something to do with this, I have it in my tickler file to call Chris, uh, uh, you know, before the end of the week for you. So okay. I'll see what we want can to do to shake it. I'm just demonstrating a point. Yeah. That, oh, well, uh, you know, you know so the show is sponsored by Soundbroker. So look, I remember so my logo there. That like uh, the things that wake me up are stuff I can't control. You know, it's like I exactly. I it's exactly what I'm I saying. It's the things you can't control. Stuff's going to get here. There's nothing I can do about it. I can make phone calls. I can bug Jan and say, he can't control it either. It's like, there's nothing that I can do. And it, and that's compounded in many different directions all at the same time. And it's like, if, if, if you can work all you want and take all the action you think you can do, but at the end of the day, I can't control when they're going to ship my sure wireless. <laughs> you know, I, there's nothing I can do. And I have clients who are like, you have to have it by September 30. And I'm like, I'm not signing that because I'm not going to have it by September 30th. And I'll tell you right now that you're not getting it. And your PA is not going to work on September 30th. And I'm not going to sign anything that penalizes me for not living up to something I know right now I can't live up to. And that's happening industry-wide. I, I mean, Mike was telling me about that as well, that he's got some clients that want him to sign that kind of stuff that he won't bid on that job. No, you can't. You'd be nuts to sign something like that because you know. I, I walked. I walked away from two hundred thousand dollars worth of install work because they wanted a guarantee on delivery, and I couldn't guarantee it. So I said, "Nope, yeah, find I, another I fool." Will, I will guarantee functionality. Um, I will guarantee that I can give you certain uh, parameters of a working system. That you know that you'll have. Uh, you know this type of audio, this channel count, this kind of video, I can guarantee that. And I'll, and I'll have that conversation. But if you're saying you want to guarantee that I will deliver uh, sure ULX D4Q uh, by a certain date, I, I will not guarantee that. But I will guarantee you four channels of sure wireless. I'll even tell them I've got that in my inventory, ULX D4Qs, and I'll bring them to your venue on the days you need them you know, for like a reduced rental rate to fill the gap till we get yours, you know, I can do that. But that's about all, the best I can offer. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to some clients right now. I've got a I've got a client in in Michigan, Detroit, and he's got a bunch of a bunch of shows that he needs a Digico. And uh, I'm sorry, he needs an, uh, an S6L. And uh, he's had to rent one from Alabama. He's had to rent one from California. And he says he, he's just lucky when, when they will say that they'll rent to him, you know, uh, rather than, you know, sub-rent from a local vendor. Yeah, you can't get anything. And the, the farther we get into festival season and all that, the harder that's all going to get. 
And the more, unfortunately, I think it might not just be true in my sector, but I think there might be people who, who would be looking to weaponize that. Like, even if it was available, not rent, rent it to someone else in your region in order to make them blow it or drop the gig or make it so you can get the gig instead. I mean, right. I don't operate that way, but I'm pretty sure people do. Well, and I think this comes back down to realistic expectations on the part of artists and their crews. Uh, any any band engineer, production manager, tour manager that's not aware there's a bit of a supply chain issue probably should be taken out and shot. But uh, I have a, a, an example of a band I won't name because I still like them. Uh, in December, they played a private party, insisted on a pair of S6Ls with dual redundant wave servers on each one. And, you know, it was a $10,000, $12,000 package rental, including IEMs and some other stuff they were very hardline on. <laughs> Fast forward to a month ago. Uh, they played a show. They wanted all the same stuff. We said, sorry, it's not available at any price. We can't provide it. And they said, okay, send me a pair of profiles. If they'd started with that, we could have, we could have significantly, you know, taken care of the advance a lot quicker instead of a week before the show. But, you know, until, until all the new kids that have to have the latest and greatest toys can back down a little and take what's there and make music come out of it. You know, there's going to be a continued set of disappointment. There'll be some of the stuff that Kurt's talking about where people go, I can't get that. And then somebody swoops in and takes your entire gig rather than rent you consoles, to which I say, I hope they have trouble getting every piece of labor they need. But that's the situation. And until there's a bit of realism injected into this, we're going to continue to have these high friction points. And I don't know that there's a solution short of, you know, physical beatings. <laughs> well, I hope they don't get to weaponizing it. That's for sure. Oh, I would expect them to weaponize it. I, I would be surprised if they didn't. I fully expect it to happen. Yeah. And and I would have also expected coming out of the pandemic that some of the, at least some of the more veteran guys would have realized that nobody bought anything for nearly two years, really. And, and that a lot of this latest greatest just isn't out there in circulation yet. I haven't seen that been the case, though. They're still asking for the latest greatest they don't seem very interested in the fact that you barely made it through the pandemic. Oh, they don't give a shit. Right. They don't give a shit. It's not, it's not their problem and they don't care. No, they don't. The, re the reality is, is that what I've, I've, I've talked to is enough people now to understand that during the pandemic, a lot of people had to cannibalize their rigs and seeing there was no touring going on these cannibalizations of their rig, they sold it to installs, churches, uh, theater venues. And now this gear is off the market for touring because they're all in fixed locations. And that is a challenge. And that's why we're having such a hard time finding touring equipment. Well, a lot of the people well. went to the same place. They took house gigs. They took, I mean, I know people who are not religious at all who took church gigs. They're not even interested in church or religion. They're not religious. They're not practicing anything, but they took the gig at the church. It must be very interesting for them to listen to what's going on in one of those services and function on mixing when it's something that's very foreign to who they are as a person. That has got to be, you know, the ultimate bad job. Well, no, I do hip hop. Not, not necessarily. I'm not. 
relatable to any of that. Yeah, not necessarily. The 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 the, the second largest church here in Vegas, a, a church I was executive project manager for when we built it, um, twenty four hundred seats. It's called the Crossings. Um, their A one. Well, he might still be the A one. I don't know, but he was certainly the A one for the first three four years they were open. Very accomplished uh, uh, audio engineer. Um, going back many, many, many years. He's not a member of the church, but he's their A1. And he said, it's no different than doing a corporate gig or, you know, whatever. It's just, you're, you're not really paying attention to what's being said. You're just listening to the audio and making the audio sound good. You just can't make the words, not the music. You just can't make fun of the presenter on ClearCom. Exactly. Exactly. Because invariably in most churches, the pastor's child, either the son or daughter, is somewhere on ClearCom doing a tech job. Right. <laughs> well, there's your information of the day. Nobody could say that they didn't learn something from uh, this episode of uh, uh, the the roundtable. That's like that I can say for sure. And uh, um, if you have any comments of what was discussed today, because we did get you know pretty philosophical today and uh, esoteric, thanks to me and my birthday. Um, you know, you want to wish me a happy birthday in the comments, put it in the comments. Um, if you like what you saw today, you know, give us a thumbs up. If you didn't like what you saw today, give us a thumbs up anyway. Subscribe to our channel, you know, our Facebook, our YouTube, our uh, LinkedIn, whatever it is, any, whatever your preference is on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever it is, wherever you, wherever you get to hear this fine podcast or or a Zoom meeting. Um, remember, you could be part of the panel too, as if you like. All you got to do is DM me or send me an email to soundbroker at gmail, and uh, you can be part of the panel. And also, we start early and we end after we go off the air, which we're about to go off the air. But before we do, I'm going to throw it up into the room. Is there anybody that wants to say anything to the uh, social media world? Bye bye. Michael, you want to say? You want to say one more thing? Just remember when the when Cavalo is where it is. Just uh, anything you want Absolutely. to promote. Absolutely, the next edition of Cavalo is taking place next Wednesday, May eleventh, at the Embassy Suites in Franklin, Tennessee. And you're more than welcome. Anybody else want to say anything about what they're doing that they want to promote? Okay, well, then that's it. So just remember, you make it happen. Stay safe and stay healthy. Remember that everything you heard today is an opinion, so do your own research. And uh, we will see you again next week for the 103rd episode of uh, the Mastermind Roundtable presented by Soundbroker. I am your host, Jan Landy. So with that, that remember reminds me, you. That reminds me, Jan. Sorry to interrupt your beautiful send-off. It was phenomenal. But uh, I will try... Uh, if I remember, I will try to do a few minutes live from the show floor. Of course, I'll be two hours ahead of normal. So let's see, four, uh, yeah, four o'clock. So two o'clock, yeah. So two o'clock, Tennessee time. I will try and jump on on my phone and give you a little. No, bit. it's just the other way around. It's the other way around. I think. I think it's. Uh, I think it's later there. It's. It would be if it would be two o'clock. If it's four o'clock, it's six oh, o'clock yeah. in Tennessee. Yeah, never mind. You don't get anything. Bye. Oh, you never know. You, you never know. You never know. You could pre-record it and send it to me. I'll, I'll, Whatever I'll, it is. I'll, I'll do the after party. <laughs> You'll do the after party. That would be great. That would be absolutely phenomenal, the after party. I would love it. Anyway, bye, everybody. See you again next week. And we're going to keep the room going. So, And we are off the air.
Right. 